Hello and welcome. My name is Kyle Nielsen, and this is How You Level Up, a podcast where I ask questions to help you become your best self. In today's episode, we're going to listen to an old recording from my book, Sharing Treasure. This was originally published in 2018. It's available on Amazon, and it's broken up into a number of different sections. So definitely check out the title to make sure you're listening in chronological order. And please enjoy this section of the book, which is part one, failure. Ambition, the treasure beyond your reach. I have a fear of failure. The fear starts like a passing thought that splinters my mind. I think to myself, what if it does not work out? What if I am not good enough? The fear spreads through my body and debilitates all action. Why try if I believe I cannot succeed? This is what fear of failing is. It's a belief of non-success. This fear of failure is the foundation for a fear of success. How can I succeed if I am too afraid to fail? How can I move forward if I am afraid that the next step will crush me? But that's what walking is, right? It's the ability to fall forwards, catching ourselves with every step. It is the falling part that we fear before we have caught ourselves or even reached the bottom. Because how far will we have to fall? Will this fall, will this failure, destroy everything I had going? Likely, the answer to that last question is a resounding no. Failure in one thing does not mean failure in everything. I sometimes have trouble remembering this. There is a strange human behavior that comes from the assumption that we know exactly what someone else must do, but never the knowledge to know what we must do ourselves. Advice is easier to give than to receive, or even apply. I want to reward myself for giving great advice to others, whether that is life advice, relationship advice concerning love and friendships, or even occupational advice. But then I look at my own life and realize... I could use my own advice. Sometimes I could use someone else's, and I'm too scared to ask. There are a few people that I go to for advice, people I trust to point me in the right direction. There's power in reaching out to someone and asking, can you help? There's power in being vulnerable. By putting myself out in the open, I see more possibilities. By being open to experience, I am influenced by different ideas. These ideas can spur new desires or help cultivate the creation of new projects. I think of new projects all the time and dismiss most of them because it probably won't work out. How lame of me. Do you know when the projects did work out? When I put heart into them. When I believed the project would succeed. When there was ambition when I would dream about them and wake up invigorated. They were treasures to dream about, something to strive for. That is when things worked out. And when I did not put my heart into it, well, what was I doing those things for anyway? I tried a couple of different sports when I was growing up. I was on the wrestling team, the basketball team, 
and I played tennis for a couple of years. I was on the track team for a while, and I took karate and mixed martial arts. But the only sport I ever fully enjoyed was soccer. It was the one my heart was in. I have played every position on the field. I was a goalie when I was younger, defensive positions like stopper and sweeper in my teens and in college, offensive on slight occasions, and midfield being my favorite and longest played position. I'm an average player on the field, but my love for it makes up for any skill that I have. I know this is true because I have gone toe-to-toe in club games with players who I never thought I could touch, although maybe it was just a bad day for them. As a kid, everyone who pays the nominal fee to play soccer in my hometown can play on a team. The number of teams that season depends on, and is created from, the number of kids who pay for it. My first tryout for a soccer team was my freshman year in high school. I remember the coaches said it was the biggest group of kids they had ever seen wanted to play on the freshman team. More than half of those trying out were cut, but I made the team. Because our team was so big, and me being an average player, I didn't get to play as much as I liked. But I was still part of the team, and I enjoyed that aspect. Even when sitting on the bench, I'd cheer on my teammates, and I enjoyed it almost as much as I enjoyed playing. The next year, which was the summer going into my sophomore year, I injured my ankle and could not run. I would show up every day for practice tryouts to work on the sidelines doing push-ups or sit-ups. I wanted the coaches to see that I could still put in effort to display that being part of the team was something I wanted, but my ankle would not heal fast enough. When the day came for cuts, everyone was handed a letter saying thank you, and whether you made the team or not. My letter said that I was cut. I could not believe it. What purpose did all those morning workouts count towards now? How much of my time was wasted that summer showing up for tryouts injured only to be cut anyway? I had a friendship with the coach, a kind of connection beyond the field and he knew I wanted to be on the team. even commented on how I would show up more than people who were not injured, and it seemed like none of that mattered. I remember the coach saying, if anyone has an issue with their letter, please speak to me after. I felt as though he was speaking to me directly, but I could not believe it. I was too prideful. Around this time is when I started smoking more too. I smoked to get high and to have fun, but I also smoked so I could run away from my feelings. I did not want to feel. I had more time on my hands, and as someone who didn't know what else to do, and who was not playing soccer, I really wasted a lot of time. I wouldn't end up playing soccer for a team again until college. Most of the sports that I played were suggestions. Maybe you'll like this sport. It could be fun. Why don't you come with me and try it? See if you like it. I could totally see you doing this. I played them all half-assed because I didn't enjoy the games or I did not feel like I was part of the team. My mentality was, who cares? If my mental space was not properly cared for, then there was no heart in whatever the activity was. This idea applies to exploring different occupations, many of which were suggestions. And those suggestions were often failures. 
but one of them was all my idea. It's normal for a junior in high school to begin applying to different colleges. By then, we are expected to know what job we want to work for the rest of our lives. Funny how we can't go to the bathroom without asking a teacher, but I'm going to pick a field of study and stick with it forever. (laughs) Doesn't sound right. Luckily for me, I knew what I wanted to be. But feudal Japan no longer existed, so becoming a ninja was going to be a challenge. And today's equivalent for that is to join the military. At least that's what I believed. I was not going to be satisfied with just any branch, because I had to be the best. There was heart in this, after all. And so, what I did was enlist with the Marine Corps. As I was still a junior, there was something called the Delayed Enlistment Program, DEP, DEP which allows teenagers who have not finished high school to sign up with the approval of a parent. My mother was livid. My father was skeptical. But I convinced them that this is what I wanted to do. It was my heart and ambition which convinced them. No one told me or suggested to me that this could be a course of action. I found the desire within myself to do it. It was a treasure that I wanted to hold that I would strive for, and I would make real. Of course, there were a couple of other reasons I wanted to join, too. I saw the frustration my parents had while paying for my brother's college, the arguments late into the night about concepts which I had little knowledge about and could not totally understand. Of course, I made them larger than they actually were. I didn't want to become a burden for them, and I also wanted autonomy. My brother initially went into school for aerospace engineering, and he flunked his first year. In my eyes, it was because he finally let his social life breathe. He was going and hanging out with friends a lot, and eventually he switched his studies and finished with an economics degree. My enlistment meant I was guaranteed a career after high school, so my senior year felt like a joke. I did not care what I was doing or who I was hanging out with, I was going to be leaving soon for a new life. This was my naive thought process. I started to experiment with different drugs, knowing I would not be able to do any of them while in the Marine Corps. I did not want to miss out on any experience that life could offer. I believed I would have to try everything I could, at least once. Who knew when I would get another chance? I had been smoking pot more and more because of that extra time I had, There were no college prep classes for me. I didn't have to study for the ACTs or SATs, and I did not want to go visit any colleges and join tours. What reason was there to care about the current classes I was even taking? I only needed to graduate high school, not graduate with honors. It was a regression from and fear of responsibility. I was living in the bright future and pissing through time with shades of gray. I did not want to worry about my current problems. They would all go away soon enough. This lackadaisical attitude bled into every part of my life. I treated people poorly and found an escape in passion, lust, drugs, and being reckless. A few months before leaving, the only escape I had was to cut out the drugs. The passion and lust stayed, though. It was reckless. 
but I left for boot camp three days after graduation. I didn't want the summer off. I felt that if I had my summer, I would change my mind about joining. And it was a good choice. I spent that summer on Paris Island, and it was filled with excitement, confusion, sadness, and pride. There were times when the days blended together in a whirlwind of physical drills, military knowledge lessons, and what little personal time we had at the end of the day. I did not think I would, but I wrote home every day. I wrote to my family, my friends, and my girlfriend at the time, who became an anchor as I was swept away into the programming of Marine Corps standards. After all, you cannot turn the average man into a man that runs towards gunfire without some form of indoctrination. There was a treasure within my reach. I only had to keep going a little longer for it to be real. I felt pride in who I was creating. Boot camp was more of a mental test than a physical one. Yes, the physical feats were difficult and challenged my body, but there were many times when I would look to others for strength to continue. It seemed to me that they had this hidden treasure already, ambition to stop at nothing. It was a spell that had been cast upon them, and I wanted those powers too. On one occasion, we were being punished for... Actually, I don't really remember why we were being punished. It happens so often. But I was crawling around in the sand, drenched in full combat gear, pushing mounds of sand with my Kevlar. I was competing with those around me for who could push the most amount of sand. If our sand mounds were not big enough, we had to go back. I had crawled the 50 yards maybe a dozen times and truly did not want to move. I remember looking over at another recruit, a tubby fellow, and he didn't seem like he was stopping. He did not hesitate to keep moving forward. His ambition kept him moving. So where was mine? I did not know, so I cursed myself. What the fuck is wrong with you, Kyle? You fucking pussy, keep moving! I put my head back down and pushed on. Discipline was something I ate for morning chow. Pain was our lunch, and dinner was rarely served. If it was, there was little or no time to eat. I'm not supposed to say this because I'm a man now, but I cried a lot when I fell asleep in boot camp. I cried for many reasons. One reason was that I did not want to say goodbye to the child within me. Another reason was I did not want to be forgotten, and I did not want my friends to grow apart especially from me. I didn't want to forget what being young felt like, and I didn't want to let go of that happy and carefree little old me. One time during drill, a few recruits kept messing up the new drill movement. Our drill instructor became frustrated with us and decided to punish everyone for the mistakes of the few. It was meant to be a lesson for everyone, whether we needed it or not. I was pulled away from the group for a previous fuck-up of joking around in the head, which is a bathroom, and flexing in front of the mirror. Looking at yourself in the mirror was frowned upon. It did not matter what you looked like, only that you performed your duties, and performed them well. This allows the mind to stay focused on more important things than self-image. The less you care about how you look, the more comfortable you will feel in any position. After all, the Marines are not about you. It's about the team, and what the team can accomplish together. So, while everyone was running sprints, holding planks, 
were lifting their footlockers above their head, emptying them out onto themselves, I was pulled aside for a fuck-up days prior. The drill instructor sat me down in front of the only mirror in the barracks, told me to hold up my arms, extending one and flexing it in a repetitive motion, and with the other, pointing at myself in the mirror, and then back at myself in person, and screaming, I am strong, and you are not. I began to scream the phrase, and laughed to myself, this is so fucking stupid. As I said before, much of boot camp is a mental test. The drill instructors play physical games which are aimed at toying with the mind. They are meant to lay the foundation of mental fortitude for those who will go to war, and war is not a walk in the park. As I continued to scream at myself, flexing my bicep with one arm and with the other arm pointing at myself in the mirror, and then myself in tangent with the phrase, I felt myself slipping. I am strong and you are not. The drill instructor screamed in my ear that I was not loud enough. The rest of the platoon continued to run behind me. My voice cracked as I tried to scream louder. I thought of the many times I was not strong enough and felt tears roll down my cheeks. Was I strong? Could I handle the struggles of life? Will I accomplish feats and create wonders, or will I continue to fail? I looked away from myself and caught my friends in the mirror looking at me while they continued moving. It looked like they pitied me. That's not what I wanted. I did not want their pity. I wanted them to respect me, to believe in me, to trust in me. And yet, here was another moment of embarrassment. Looking back at myself in the mirror, I became angry, frustrated that my ambition was overcome from the splinter of failure's past. I was so close to holding this treasure, yet it continued to elude me. The mental picture I held in myself with unimaginable ambition was still out of reach. If I were to finally grasp it, hold it in my hands, I would be who I aimed to be. My ambitious self would actualize. The Kyle who was strong enough for anything. And so my anger in that moment stopped the stream of tears. I don't know how long I was screaming, but I did not recognize my own voice anymore. It was raspy, coarse, and hollow. I promised myself later that night I would not doubt my strength again. That I would never be able to achieve anything if I did. Sometimes I still forget this, but it doesn't take me long to remember. After the crucible, the final three-day mental and physical test at the end of boot camp, there is a death march while the sun rises. It's called this because it's at the end of a sleep-deprived three days, but it was also the most adrenaline-filled hike I had ever been on. When the hike is over, each recruit is handed an eagle, globe, and anchor, an EGA, by a drill instructor. The EGA is the symbol of the Marine Corps and signifies a recruit's ascension into a Marine. When I was handed one, I teared up as I stood there, thinking of my late grandfathers who served before me. They would have been proud of that moment. I felt I was holding the treasure I wanted for so long. My ambition had materialized. The treasure was real. I looked at the EGA in my hand, with the shine of the morning sun 
and felt a warm wave roll over me. It was near bliss. And then in a moment, it was gone. I was still standing in the same spot, and the happiness had washed away as fast as it had come. This was not the end. It was only a milestone on a long road. This ascension meant I had reached the next level, that I would have to work even harder if my ambitious self was to actualize. As time passed, I became a designated marksman for Fleet Anti-Terrorism Security Team, which is basically like a SWAT team, but for the military. I loved that job. There were a few bad stints along the journey, but I excelled at what I did. I was the Iron Man of a few different classes, which means I scored the highest on specific physical tests. I was an excellent shot. I was knowledgeable, keen on learning more, and talked about re-enlistment to go the route of special forces. Everything inside the military was great, but life outside was not going the way I wanted. I created an online group for my friends and I to stay in touch. They were like family to me. They were all in college, partying, sleeping around, and my girlfriend, who was, became an ex. Our relationship was passionate and deep, but filled with confusion and dismay. It was an immature relationship, one that failed horribly and was rewarding at the same time. The distance would not help, and my fear of missing out of everything my friends were doing and sharing with me only perpetuated my feelings of loneliness and isolation. I had friends in the Corps, many of whom I love and believe to be amazing people, but it was not the same as the kids I grew up with. I walled myself off from many of the people I worked with. They saw a happy Marine, a guy who loved to work out, got yelled at for smiling a lot, and was a city slicker. I was a fast-talking, quick-to-come-back-to-your-verbal-jab Marine from New York City area. There were a couple of us from the New York City area, and the verbal distinctions from those Marines, who were from the more southern states, was quite apparent. I did not stop to smell all the roses, and the faster pace of life was where I felt comfortable. Of the friends from north or south, few knew I was depressed most of the time. My feelings of remote grief multiplied by not opening up to more people with whom I served. I think I can count four people who I sincerely and honestly opened to. There may have been a couple of blackout drunk stories of anguish I shared with others, but I cannot clearly recall. While on deployments, none of which were ever in the Middle East, perhaps for the better, I found contentment in drinking myself away or musing in corrupted self-talk. When I could find fulfillment in exploration of different cultures and landscapes, I did, but it was few and far between. On one deployment, I was exposed to the rawness of death. What little I was exposed to and saw was from afar, and it was never anyone I knew. I was responsible for my post from early morning to early afternoon. To the east was the sunrise, and to the west were the gallows. Each day, as the sky became lighter, the gallows become clearer. The hangings I watched were impersonal because of the distance, and only affected me when I watched long enough or thought about them too much. I realized sometimes I would create stories about the people who were hanging in my mind. Were they good people? Did they deserve to be punished? I cannot say, and there was nothing I could do to help them 
without causing an international incident. My feelings of helplessness resurfaced. Often, I would simply turn away and watch the sunrise. It was always so bright and vibrant, painting the sky with color. I do not always stop to smell the roses, but I will pause to watch a sunrise. There is a saying in the Marine Corps, hurry up and wait. The saying attempts to explain the military life of rushing around with lots of waiting before the next time to rush. I like to think that the other parts of my life molded into this form. Lots of rushing through moments of happiness and waiting in agony for the next blip. Of course, this was all self-imposed. I chose to rush through happiness. I chose to wallow in my pain, believing that I would only be happy, have purpose, or feel fulfilled when I was in those blips of joy. My ambition seemed to be outside of my grasp. There was always another milestone to work towards, and I did not realize it at the time, but this was a good thing. It kept me moving. It gave me purpose. I felt like I was failing, but with every milestone I hit, it was a success. Thank you for listening to another episode of How You Level Up, where I ask questions to help you become your best self. Now, I put this podcast together because I wanted to help you build up your emotional independence, your communication skills, and take the next step in your personal philosophy. If you liked this episode, turn on your phone and hit the like and subscribe button, give a five-star rating, and I'll see you on the next episode of How You Level Up.